and welcome back to Shadow Light. Thanks for joining us as we navigate the big issues on your feed, moving from apathy and overwhelm to collective action and hopeful pathways forward. I'm Zoe. And I'm Larissa. And this week, we're continuing on with a series two and talking about concepts of home by really getting into it when it comes to island nations that are fighting for their rights, for being able to not only survive, but thrive. This week, we're really excited to have a guest from Tuvalu um, come in and speak about what home means to them. Tuvalu is one of the 22 Pacific Island nations with 7 million inhabitants between them that contribute only 0.06 of global greenhouse gas emissions, but are three times more vulnerable to climate change than countries in the north. I think it's also such an important example because Tuvalu, we can see how dire the situation has, how immediate the situation is, because it's the only nation in the world that's creating a literal digital twin to try and move their nation to the cloud, to try and have some sort of record of what has been going on here, because there is such an immediate impact that is being seen and felt and that Kato is going to speak to really visibly. And I hope that just encourages us all so yeah a really really important one on Tuvalu. I think it raises some really important questions about like what does home mean what are we trying to preserve like what are we trying to protect and I feel like I'm really excited to get into that this this episode. I'm so excited to introduce Kato Awekia but of course please tell us who you are what you do we're really really excited to hear from you. Yeah tell for everyone that's the greeting in Tuvalu Um, my name is Kato Awekia and I'm 28 years old this year, and I'm from Tuvalu. I'm a climate activist, and before I started my journey as a climate activist, I was a musician in Tuvalu, and I love music, and also I play rugby. Amazing. I love all of these uh, interconnected interests. It feels like we're going to get creative today, so yeah, I love that. So thank you for also sharing like your broader self. Kato, we're so excited to have you because on our first episode of the season, we were talking about squatting. So people in urban environments who are like fighting to make and take homes. Um, so there's lots of about, like abandoned buildings and they occupy them and use them as home to fight homelessness. But I feel like we're taking that energy of the fight from taking a home to protecting home. Um, it's like a very different fight, but I feel like that is really kind of what you guys are doing. So can you tell us more about save Tuvalu and the organization that you kind of coordinate. Yeah, sweet. From the beginning, um, this amazing youth that I, I work with, they reached out to me when we did a documentary with the youth and some couple of amazing people from Loyola University in America. The director of uh, this documentary was uh, Professor Gohin. Um, when this youth watched it, they reached out to me and they said, like, uh, they want to work with me. They were messaging me in the middle of my rugby game. <laughs> and uh, before then, I, I couldn't even speak English properly. Mm. And I saw the passion of these young people. And I also see them that they struggle with English, but they still, you know, fight for, you know, one climate justice. And then it gave me the passion. And uh, th- they taught me, I learned a lot from them. And then now uh, we became a campaign and they've been helping up, helping me uh, doing, you know, uh, with technologies and how to say things. And for just for me to, you know, to share my story. 
of what are we facing here in Tuvalu. So in the year of 2021, that was, I think it's 2022, that was the conference of parties in um, Glasgow. And I went to to COP and I felt so bad that um, I couldn't get my story how I wanted to share because of my English. But that's when I learned. I saw other um, amazing youth that uh, we managed to collaborate, uh, Fridays for Future and uh, Ecoside. They didn't even care about you know uh, their English, but uh, that that was my barrier all along. It was English, and it taught me a lot of things. I I would like to like uh, applaud all the youths that uh, are doing you know climate activists because they're the one who taught me how to be comfortable sitting in front of a camera, talking to people, sitting in front of an audience. Oh my god, my first time was so horrible. <laughs> I, I came I came off the stage I was like so so sweaty and um uh, it was a terrible experience but I learned when I went to uh, to Glasgow I didn't know the the temperature the atmosphere the weather being away from home I didn't know anything about it I went with a t-shirt a short <laughs> and wore flip flop like like how I just wear it in the beaches at Intervall <laughs> I didn't know how cold it was until people were staring at me in the airport with all their comfy clothes. It was crazy. As soon as the airport door opened and I felt like, oh my God, wait, what? It's cold? <laughs> and I've never traveled into bigger countries uh, besides around the Pacific because around the Pacific, we kind of have the similar temperature. But I, uh, when I went to... Uh, to Glasgow, that's when I felt like it's different. I was overwhelmed with so many things, big buildings, big cars. I don't know how to explain, but it was crazy. So when I reached to uh, my apartment and then they were like, are you okay? Do you have any uh, warm clothes with you? And then I explained to them like, no, this is my first time being away from home. I didn't know it's going to be this cold. And it was around November. and it was crazy. I was so, so cold. And then some of them uh, landed me to borrow some of their warm clothes because I was walking around in the cup with my shorts and flip-flop and t-shirt with this just to, um, to represent. But the good thing is that, um, I was really proud to, you know, to, to present myself who I am and where I'm from and what we wear. Yeah, it it was good. Um, it was a good experience. So along the journey as a climate activist, um, other media approached to me, and then I had more training with them, and then went to COP in Egypt last year. Oh, two years ago, and last year in Dubai. And I'm glad I'm doing this for my country because honestly, I didn't have a background of you know environmental of or a climate activist. No, um, the youth around the world, they are the people who taught me how to prepare myself how to be a climate activist. So this journey has been amazing and talking to other youth and collaborating with other medias, which is good. You just mentioned there that like you were going to Glasgow with, like you wanted to say a message, but you felt like you weren't able to get it across. Well, I was wondering what what is the message that you're kind of trying to tell the rest of the world? And like, 
you know, tell us now. Like, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. So when I was uh, speaking up in, in, in front of a lot of audience, um, I wanted to show people what Tuvalu is like and what are we facing. I wanted to say, like, okay, hello, my name is Bernard Ewekia. Oh, my name is Kato Ewekia. I am this age, and um, Tuvalu is the, the fourth smallest country in the world. We don't have any mountains. We we live in the heart, in the middle of the South Pacific, and we are the people, forefront that we uh, face climate change. We're not the cause of this, but we're like the people that face these things every day and a lot of times. So those are the things, a few things that I wanted to say in talk. But when I was speaking, I was just jumbling the words. Um, I did not introduce myself. I went straight into Tuvalu and then after that I introduced myself. It was crazy. I just felt bad. <laughs> I felt really bad. But yeah, I thank you for the opportunity for letting me share it again. Yeah, it was a good experience. And what is it about Tuvalu and the experience of your community that you feel like people outside don't understand, like in terms of the, that threat of climate change and like how immediate it is, I guess? Hey, um, thank you. So one of the impact that we face every day is sea level rise. It affected a lot of things in in the island. One of it is our, like our plantations. So in the past, our elders, they, they used to plant this thing called bulaka. But the sea level rise, the sea doesn't come from, from the sides of, of the island. It comes underneath, like, you know, a sinking boat. Yeah. So water comes everywhere underneath. And it, before it, it hardly happens, it only happens in f- around February, uh, during the King's Tide, King's Tide is like it's like the most highest tide that we face in in the South Pacific. But today, we're experiencing that like every week, once a week, it is crazy. And I remember when when we were young with my friends after school, we always go and play at this such a beautiful beach. Like we have like. The most beautiful beach, and also other countries in the South Pacific. We we play rugby. That's when I started to learn rugby. We play rugby with just with the bottle, passing the bottle around like how how we used to pass the ball. So few of my friends went to Fiji, another island in the South Pacific. We went to study there. Uh, we went with our parents, and then three years later, we went back to Tuvalu. And we met up with our friends again. And we, I asked them, hey, we should go and play uh, rugby again at the beach. And they were like, what are you talking about? The beach has been gone for like two years already. I'm like, what? Yeah, we can't play there anymore because that place doesn't exist anymore. I'm like, oh, okay. We could uh, you know, find some new location. So there's a, another beach which is further away from our homes. And we all met met up there, and this time we got a, a real ball, and we started playing. We, we play every day. Then 
after three years staying in Tuvalu, my parents had to go. They they have studies, and then I had to go with them. So I was in Fiji again for another three years, and then when I returned back home, the first thing I I wanted to see is that beach is still there. So I didn't invite my friends, or I just went by myself. And then when I reached to to the area, there there was no beach again. I'm like, whoa, this is. At that time, I did not understand what you know climate change is. I didn't know what the cause was. It you know, growing up, I was just a, a child, I just living my youth life. When I was growing up, I'm like trying to figure out what was going on because like we already a few of the smallest islands in the Pacific in the world as well, and we're about to disappear. Mm. Our population in Tuvalu is around eleven to 12,000. And when we started this documentary with this professor in America, I've shared my message to, you know, in this documentary wholeheartedly, even though my English was like so bad. And I'm glad that, you know, this youth, they encouraged me to join as a climate activist because like we're about to, to disappear. We're like, you know, those um, species that are about to be extinct. And then talking about the subject that you guys told me, the home. So currently I'm now in Australia. I, oh, I'm married. Yeah. I came to support my wife in her studies in Australia. And then I've been trying to, to fit in here, you know, at home. There's a lot of challenges. And then I also thought to myself, like, there are some, you know, people out there who gave us, you know, the the idea of migrating to other places, you know, because we're about to disappear. That's one of the good solutions. But then, it's um, to be honest, it's very, very different. Oh, yeah, and I, I love fishing big time. Well, when I got here, the first thing was was on my mind was going fishing because I heard Australia beach is is beautiful, and so the the first thing that came up on my mind was fishing, not like fishing with a rod, like spear fishing, diving. And then a, a few days when I reached Australia, there was a news that came that there was a fifteen year old or sixteen year a teenager that was was attacked by a shark. I'm like, what? It, it's different like it, it I got, got kind of like culture shock with all mm. everything that is new everything's advanced and everything is um, the people are nice I, I have made a few friends here but then you know like home is different home is unreplaceable also I want to talk about um, music Tuvalu as a you know music I play guitar um, I love singing Tuvalu music. In Tuvalu, whenever we gather with friends and play Tuvalu music, as a community, or, you know, other other people come and join. Like we're happy. To, it just connects us like that. That's that's what makes us, you know, Tuvalu community. We, whenever we play songs or dance, everyone knows the moves. And everyone knows the music, and 
these moves and these musics, these lyrics, harmonies, they were given us by our forefathers from the past. And we learned it and it's with us right now. The different things, the different thing that if we come here or go anywhere else, migrate to somewhere else. You know, if I sing, sing the same song that I used to sing at home, no one's going to come and join me. Mm. No, one's, no one knows the moves of the song. It will be just me. And it's, no, it's different. <sighs> yeah, but yeah, home is irreplaceable. Thank you for sharing that, Kato. Like that, so deeply moving. Like you're talking about the beaches disappearing. I was like, wow, you know, like in such a short space of time, seeing parts of your home just be taken away. And, and also that, like not knowing what, what was doing it and then, you know, being moved to a place of having to act on climate. But yeah, that, thank you for sharing that. It's really deeply moving. And I think we, it's really wonderful to hear like how you define home. And I think that's the thing that we kind of wanted to talk about in this episode, because when we talk about climate change, we talk a lot about like, you know, the damage that's done to buildings, the damage that's done to roads and all these these kind of things that, you know, they are really important and can be built back. But like, what else are we losing from climate change? Like when people's homes are in danger or washed away and we lose the music, the culture, and none of that can be kind of rebuilt. And I think what you were saying there about like, obviously the songs that you're, all of your community know and the dances that all of your community know, like we have to think about all the other precious things that are under threat. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think what you shared is just so deeply powerful. And I feel like for anyone listening, it should move them to action. Like if they haven't already, so is there, I guess, anything that you feel like comfortable saying this is something that people should be acting on and this is somehow that people should be supporting? One of the things that I've been wanting to do is uh, figuring out how to make Tuvalu, um, what do you call it, a renewable energy place? Mm-hmm. Because um, we've got the sunlight like every day, and we could use that to gain our energy. But um, uh, as the gov- our government was speaking in COP 27, 20, yeah, 27 in Egypt, um, one of our ministers was, was sharing that um, we, Tuvalu will be the first nation ever to, to be a fully 100% renewable energy. To show an example to the world that if Tuvalu, the the forefront of climate change could change from to renewable energy so the rest of the world could so that you know it can help our planet and also help Tuvalu people stay in Tuvalu heat temperature decrease and also stopping trying to stop um, sea level rise but yeah that's one of the things that I've been wanting to share and trying to do as well how how can i get you know um into tuvalu to be one of the renewable energy places i've been trying to start with my home and then helping out with the community and then see what the government can do with you know the, to with the rest of tuvalu it's true that it should move everyone else to be doing that as well and i think about even on a local level how we start like thinking more sustainably about our energy sources. So thank you for sharing that. I also feel like 
you know, you said earlier it was really important for you to be at Glasgow and like tell your story in English. So obviously there is also like a a need for English speaking countries to make a change because as you were saying before, like Tuvalu is like going to be the most impacted by climate change, but has contributed nothing to it. And like when you come to Glasgow, come to the UK, like we have contributed so much to climate change historically. I think we're the most historically um, responsible for climate change if you look at emissions over time. So since the industrial revolution and divide it by the amount of population that we have, we are the most responsible for climate change. So obviously there's a message that we need to hear and that is we need to decarbonize as fast as possible as well. So what brings you hope? Like what makes you feel hopeful, makes you feel like maybe we might be able to slow global warming down, slow the impacts of climate change down? Is there anything that that makes you feel hopeful? And it's fine if there isn't. I I believe that my ancestors taught us how how to be hopeful, how to be resilient with this this climate change and um, also ways of us that can help with the community how to deal during cyclones, during drought, and what to do when you know when your plants plants die or your crops die when you have a big plantation. Yeah, um, I I believe um, our ancestor has been teaching us how to do those um, during during cyclones. After sorry, after cyclones when everything is. A, is in a mess. Oh my gosh. No one tells us what to do. Like the community itself knows what to do. We gather and then we help each other. Um, if anyone, if there's a family that, you know, has a roof that has been blown or house, with the community, we try to give them, try to f- help them fix their house. And also, um, if anyone has, problem with uh with the water the, uh, the plumbers we can, we have trained you know um people who fix pipes to to help like no for free we don't we that's what i love about um Tuvalu, that we do things for free wholeheartedly because that's another thing that is different from here when i came or around the world um there is um no free love giving mm. um everything has to be like earned for mm. that's what makes me want to stay in Tuvalu and I'm hope really hopeful for and I'll teach my children in the future as well to be hopeful in case something happens and Tuvalu disappears or whatever I'm glad that I'm I was able, you know, to do something to tell my children, look, my children or grandchildren or the future generation, we did do our best to sustain our land here in Tulaga. But still hopeful. We're still hopeful. Well, thank you for that glimmer of hope. And I think we're all going to be holding on to that um, as well and using that to propel us because if you see and all that you have seen can have hope, then we all have to have hope. Um, I think. And if you, if people are hearing that and thinking, okay, I'm hopeful, but I also want to get involved and, you know, support the work that you're doing, the work that other young people in Tuvalu are doing, how can they, you know, stand in solidarity with 
you and with uh, your community? That's a really great, great, great question. So as I mentioned before, I do not have any background with um, our certificate or something only interested in music and sports. I, I would say like, um, if you have, you know, knowledge or ideas on how to help us, please let us know on how we can you know, work together. Um, can research Tuvalu on what is happening in Tuvalu and what we face. And if you have an idea with your amazing brain that you have, please let me know. Or let reach out to some of the youth in Tuvalu. Let us know that what we can do and work together and help Tuvalu. I love that a little call out for everyone um, to get thinking. And just, oh, thank you so much. Because even just reflecting on what you're saying um my you know my grandparents my cousins and stuff live on an island back home and you know even just in preparation for this episode thinking about you know sea levels and hearing what you're saying about you know the the analogy of the boat and like I just I don't know so for me it brings everything into focus um so I just want to say a massive thank you to you um for for that because I'm definitely going to keep that close to my heart um as we move forward I agree and I feel like I really heard you when you said like on your island when there's a crisis or uh you know a cyclone everyone comes together it doesn't matter like everyone comes together to to help who's in need everyone comes together to find the resources to support each other and that you don't see that so much in Australia and I think that very much rings true for the UK as well and we need to inhabit a spirit of generosity care like just supporting each other when times are hard. And I feel like that is really a lesson that I'm hearing when we think about climate change more broadly, like with your community, but also with each other, like on a global scale, we need to be more caring, more generous. So I feel like there's some really, really wise words you've given us today, Kato. Um, so I want to thank you. So I think I think my action, Larissa, if we, we're still doing that, is be more caring, be more generous, try and inhabit that that spirit. Yeah, I yeah, really but... love that action. I'm a, I'm a steal yours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all do it. We'll all do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to share, Kato, before we kind of log off? Yeah, just I just wish that you know the world would really see what's the reality that we live in. I mean, like for us, the lowland people in the community, we really care about you know our people, and honestly, whoever comes from overseas or from another country or foreigner comes to Tuvalu oh my gosh we we welcome them we make sure that they feel home even though we we don't know each other um people would you know invite them like hey come and have a cup of tea at home um, it's free we don't have to pay anything that, that I wish that you know the world could see that uh, who we are is we love to be in Tuvalu because of who we are and that is our home also, uh, I haven't seen any homeless. We don't have any homeless people in Tuvalu because we take care of our people. Mm. And when, when I came here to Australia or overseas, like I see these um, homeless people and like I really feel sorry. Like I, I wish I could, you know, like take them to Tuvalu and then make themselves, you know, a, a home. Some things that I couldn't believe that really exist in the world. Mm. Oh my god! 
But yeah, I, I hope that the world that they could see the things that the reality that we're facing in Tuvalu. Mm. That's all. Yeah, that's what the strong message that I want to share to everyone. I feel like that's so real because last our last episode we were talking about homelessness and and how in like European and um, South American countries in the US as well people have to just literally occupy abandoned buildings but like as you say like it doesn't have to be that way we we could have a system where everyone has a home in the first place and like you do that on Tuvalu and we we can do that anywhere it's just about our culture and our, our spirit and yeah thank you for sharing that hope on so many fronts here like yeah truly where can people find you? Like you say, people need, should learn a little bit more about kind of what's going on. Um, can they follow your organization? Is there like media and like social media they should be following? Like, let us know what people should be looking at. If you have any ideas or some things that you want to share with that can help Tuvalu, um, you can either contact me. Um, my email is kewekia, join k-e-w-e-k-i-a at gmail.com. Or follow follow and message us in Saving Tuvalu in um, Instagram. Feel free. I'm always uh, I'm almost there. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. And I think that might bring us towards the end now because um, we've asked you a lot of questions, uh, even in the hot seat a little bit. So no. thank you for that. Right. I've been talking too much. No. <laughs> no, not at all. It's been perfect. Mm. But yeah, I guess all that leaves us to say for now is just thank you so much for your time, for your insight, for your wisdom and for your hope and for sharing that with us. So much that you've said has been so interconnected with a lot of the different themes that we're going to go through through this season uh, of, of the podcast. So it just feels like a really great thread through to so many of the other conversations that we have to have about our concept of home. In fact, next time we're going to be talking about Caribbean islands and their struggles for uh, universal access to beaches uh, because there are many kind of like colonial hangover laws and things that mean that people can't access beaches what you're saying about fishing like that's also quite important um, to Caribbean communities so again so much crossover so much connection and yeah I'm excited to get into that conversation too um, and having this in mind while we talk about all of that. Thank you very much uh, Larissa and Zoe for giving me this opportunity give me a space for me to talk about Tuvalu and also express my true feelings on what the world looks at uh, Tuvalu. Thank you very much uh, on uh, behalf of saving Tuvalu to you, to you both. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Kato. We've loved having you and everyone. Um, if you want to find out more about this and how you can help, you can check out Saving Tuvalu on Instagram. Larissa, before we, like, when we were prepping for this episode, you were talking a lot kind of about how this really did make you feel, think more about your family in St. Vincent and kind of about the Caribbean. And I was wondering if you wanted to share any of the thought, more on the thoughts that you'd had about kind of that process. Yeah, I guess even when Kato was speaking, I was thinking about the responses to the kind of environmental impacts of the La Soufriere eruption which was like towards the end of 2020, beginning of 2021, um, had a really devastating impact on not only St. Vincent, but like even Barbados, both because of the spread of ash, but also because of the displacement in the immediate term. And also the kind of ongoing impact on like ecosystems, food systems, like all sorts. 
and, and in a space when you're talking about island nations any kind of thing like that causes so much disruption but it then also in turn causes that that sense of giving that Kato was speaking to like mm. the people coming together like I remember seeing fundraisers from in the diaspora in the UK but also across different Caribbean nations and you know people inviting people into their homes mm. offering them food shelter like all sorts and I just feel like as you know whether it's flooding or displacement for other reasons as certain things become more or hopefully not but are becoming more part of our everyday like how do we respond to that as people how do we show up for each other both in the the kind of immediate term but then also in our commitment to making sure that these things aren't part of our everyday mm. it just it feels like there's a connection there between our disconnection as people like when we were talking about homelessness and mm. um you know how we don't look after the people in our communities and our kind of disregard for people's homelands and people's lives and cultures and everything that we stand to lose so yeah just it, it, in a kind of roundabout way it had me thinking about home back home home here all of it yeah and I think there's something really interesting there about like yeah on we kind of mentioned earlier but on the community scale inhabiting that generosity and care but also on the like actually what does that look like if we scale it up to between nations and I was just doing a bit of research before the episode and so small island developing states um, I'm using that term because it's like what the islands use it's a very distinct group of island nations I think I believe mainly Caribbean and Pacific islands so I think St Vincent and Tuvalu are both a part of that kind of grouping so it's 39 states home to 65 million people and responsible for less than 1% of climate change in SIDS or small island developing states. That's what they kind of call themselves. The geographic conditions that they have make them really vulnerable to natural disasters. In the Caribbean alone, the damage caused by climate-related and earth-related hazards is estimated at around 12.6 billion per year, which when you think about the size and strength of the economies is, is huge, is really serious. And I was looking at this thing and it was like before the 2000s, small island developing states injured fewer than 10 major natural disasters per year. But over the last two decades, 20 major natural major natural disasters have struck since each year. So it's like double the amount of disasters that are being hit by um, small island nations that like depend a lot on things like tourism to keep the economies going, depend a lot on things like imports and stuff like that, and also agricultural sectors. And that's alongside kind of slower forms of climate disasters, such as coastal erosion, flooding, and things like that, things that Kato was speaking to as well. And I think this isn't like, what's the word, like unavoidable. There are things that would really help and support um, these nations that have like literally zero responsibility for climate change, feel more protected against climate disaster. And there's there's an element here of reparations, I think, which is really important to consider, like thinking about reparations for the exploitation that's happened um, by global kind of large global north economies. And one of those things would be kind of forgiving debt. Like and there's a thing that's being advocated for called debt for climate swaps, which is like when creditors forgive the debt of a, of a smaller nation and they can spend that that money on climate adaptation projects or climate mitigation projects. But also something that small island developing nations are asking for as well is to be part of the decision making process beyond just the UNFCCC and the COP, so the Conference of the Parties, 
a group, there's a group of uh, small island developing states who want to be part of the G7 and the G20. So that they're a part of these kind of like groups that are making decisions that will affect vulnerable economies and will affect the rate of climate change. It's like, why are the most impacted nations not in those decision-making spaces? And I think all of that kind of aligns with what you were saying, Larissa, about like, how do we inhabit like more inclusive generous ways of being to combat climate change it works on the community scale but it works on the international scale as well and like debt for climate swap and being included in the g7 g20 are legit things that should happen you know so i think that's just yeah there there are solutions to things like this or not solutions but ways of combating things that we have to remember exist and we should be pushing for as people who have the right to vote you know definitely and especially because the sids future forums coming up may And like in advance of that, as much as we can do to stand in solidarity with nations that, yes, they're talking about how their economies can respond. But ultimately, it's all interconnected, as you say. And like, yeah, it does it does re-energize the the kind of fight for reparative justice, which seems to Mm. have like almost been dismissed. It has been dismissed multiple times over. So, no, I think that's a really important point to make. So thanks. If you've got any questions, thoughts or feelings, please do let us know either via Instagram DM at shadow.mag or via email shadowlightpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear thoughts, feelings. If this is if you're somewhere in the world that's experiencing something similar, if you've got brilliant ideas on how we can help, what we should be sharing, do let us know. Thanks so much. Bye.